Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Don't miss out on a single episode of Stacy King's Give Me the Hot Sauce with Mark Shanowski. All you have to do is subscribe to the Bears Barroom Radio Network. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it anywhere podcasts are delivered. And now, on with the show. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. I don't expect Larry Marketing to have the season he had this past year. I, I, I think he'll have a breakout season. I think Zach Levine is, is at that star status now. And Kobe White, you take away John Moran is doing, you're looking at Kobe White possibly being rookie of the year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Get out the way, boy. Get out the way. Oh, he just put Stewie in the basket. I remember meeting <laughs> Kathleen Turner at a restaurant. It was really cool. I thought it was the coolest thing. But she was gorgeous. I just remember, and I was a little pervert back in college. I was like, but I saw her in person. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the best lady in body. Oh. And she goes, oh, you watched it. You know, she had it like a deep husky. Yeah, she did. Oh, you seen that movie. I said, I've seen him a hundred times trying to get some little brownie points. She's with somebody else, though, so that kind of crushed me. <laughs> wow, I don't know where we go after that, man. We, we, really, took, we really took a left turn. Yeah, man, we go anywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce! Give me the hot sauce! You never know what Stacy King might say. He's got all kinds of stories, and we'll have them here for you. This is the debut episode of Give Me the Hot Sauce, featuring the one and only Stacy King. My name is Mark Shanowski. I'm going to be your tour guide as we take you inside Stacy's mind. And Stacy, you know, people have been asking you, why don't you have a podcast, King? Tell the folks what you they can expect. Oh here. man, you know what? I've always wanted to do it, you know, and and you know, it's been we've been kicking around the idea of doing it. I've been really comfortable going on other people's podcasts. And then, you know, one day I just said, Hey, you know what? This will give me a chance to connect to my fans and the fans that you know watch me on TV every night doing Bulls games and who follow me on Twitter and social media. Gives me a chance to uh, connect to them even in a closer type of situation, you know, whereas they can listen to my voice all the time and hear me talk about all kind of different topics because this is uh, – it's going to be a little bit different podcast yeah. than what they're probably uh, used to hearing. I mean, we're going to be talking about everything. I mean, it's not just basketball. We're going to be talking about UFC, boxing, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever floats our boat. You know, tell them where we're going to go. Might as well. We should be called off the wall because basically, it's going to be off the wall. It's going to be bouncing here and left and right. We could be talking about puppy training. We could be talking about everything. Hey, let's start with that. You got a brand new addition Woo! to the family. I mean, obviously, with the quarantine days. 
got to have some company around the house. You, you got a brand what? new pup, huh? Mark, you know, that quarantine, man, I was really lonely. Yeah. You know, you can only play <laughs> You can only play so much Xbox, you know, That's before right. you start getting, you know, bored. My kids are out the house. Me and my wife are empty nesters. And um, I, I just said, you know what? It'd be really cool to have a puppy. Um, the idea was great. The idea was <laughs> the great. execution I, yeah, was tough, though. Right? The execution was tough because I got a little American bully. I got him out of a breeder out of Houston, uh, Demon Bully Kennels. Um, he drove him up for me. I got him at nine weeks and uh, a little early, um, but I tell you what, he's the cutest little. What's thing. the name? His name is Brixton. Okay. And the name comes from if you watch Fast and the Furious, uh, the you know Hobbs and Shaw. Right. The bad guy in the in the movie was named Brixton, and that was uh, Ildris Elba was the was the bad guy in that movie. So don't mess with Brixton. Is what no, don't saying. mess with Brixton. And it was <laughs> it was the coolest name. I go, man, if I ever had a dog, I would name him Brixton. You know, because you can you know Bricks for short. You know, I call him right now since he's a puppy. You know, Brixie. You know, my wife says stop calling him that. Sounds like a sounds real soft. I'm like, well, this is coming from a wife, my woman, a woman telling me soft. I'm like, wow, I like you, girl. That's why I married you. <laughs> but the dog's not soft. He's already in a tussle, you tell me. Yeah, he got into We've been uh, watching my wife's son's dog, who's also okay. an American bully. It's uh, about a year and a half, so it's a little older. Outweighs Brixton probably about 50, 55 pounds. And they've been really great all week. You know, His name is Django. And they've been another get, tough name. Another tough name. Another <laughs> tough name. Um, they've been getting along great all week long. And then last, you know, last day, last night, uh, they got into a tussle, you know, over a bone. And as dogs will yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Brixton being a, you know eleven weeks old, there was no mercy. And Jango just attacked him. It was kind of a sucker punch. <laughs> you know, Brixton wasn't even ready for the fight. He just jumped him. And then I had to pull I had to pull Django off. I had to be, you know, like a lion tamer. I had to pull him off. And then he snapped at me. And I was like, yo, like, whoa. I was ready to give it to him. But I said, no, you know what? He's he's still he's basically still a puppy. Okay. And I understand what they're fighting about. But my little guy got hurt. He got nipped on the paw. So I had to take him to the uh, vet. And uh, they they looked him over, and he's got a punctured little paw, but he's okay. He's on antibiotics. He's doing well. He's limping a little bit, but he's he's a, he's a tough one. And he follows you around like the Pied Piper, huh? I, I think he thinks I'm his mother. Uh-oh. Seriously, you know. I, I mean, a couple of times I, I caught him over there trying to you know milk you know nick you know suck on me you know and I'm like hey 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 buddy oh it's not that type of party chill out over here whoa back up it's daddy it's me and you we're the same okay yeah. so. Uh, but he, he's 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 you know he follows me everywhere he go I go which is really cute, um, you know so we're really attached so I'm having like you know when a parent leaves their baby for the first time you know we've all gone through that I mean I I went through that with my boys I have that same feeling right now as I'm leaving him to come do this podcast I have to leave him in his little cage because no one's home and I heard him cry oh, you know when, he, when I was Breaks leaving. And I was like, man, I hate to leave, but I got to go give the hot sauce to the people, baby. Because here I am. Brixton, you're going to be fine. Brixton will be okay. will be okay, but it's time to bring the hot sauce to the people. So people are getting their first exposure to the podcast are thinking, I thought they were going to talk about the draft and the change to the coaching staff. No, that's not no, how we roll here. No, we are going to be talking about everything. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen because this is our podcast. Yeah. We are we are kind of like the, uh, you know, the misfit toy. Toys. We're on our own island. We can do whatever we want to do. And yeah. that's what we're going to do here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Things that people are used to seeing Stacey King do. Now I'm kind of unfiltered. 
I'm released a little bit. I can just have fun and do it the way I want to do it. And and having you being a partner with me alongside this, and you know, we got John Walsh in the back, we got a man Aldo in the back. We got a really good support team here, and I'm looking forward to seeing how far this goes. We've come a long way from the basement dungeon over at Comcast Sports. Ooh, Remember that's uh, man. I knew you of course when I worked at Channel Seven when you were playing for the Bulls, but then we got together again working at Comcast Sportsnet when you were doing pre and post with me, and we had a lot of fun watching the games. But I'll tell you what, the facilities back then were not all that great down there. Well, it was almost like being in a morgue. You know, seriously, <laughs> it's like a meat locker. You know, you were freezing. It was cold. Uh, you know, it's like you know I, I had to dress in winter clothes to come there. You know, yeah. so it's like, but we had so much fun though because everybody was freezing. Everybody was like basically the same. We're all freezing. We're talking. We got smoke coming out of our mouth. I mean, it's like Storm and Norm. It's, yeah, Storm and Norman, our, our great friend Norman. Uh, we miss him dearly. Yeah. You know, I mean, this would have been great to have him being part of this as well <laughs> because he's unfiltered. He would have been perfect for this, and he definitely would have been Telling stories about hanging with Mick Jagger and all oh, that stuff. Oh, man. That, I tell you what, man. I, I, there's not a day that doesn't go by that, that you know, yeah. I don't miss him and Johnny Ray Kerr. You know, we talk about this all the time. Um, but, you know, Norm, man, I tell you, his personality was infectious. And, you know, we have 48 minutes of intensity. <laughs> okay, that's his call. And I use that call in games sometimes. So that's uh, that was his personal little saying. And, you know, we really miss him. And, and you know, I would have loved for him to be part of this because I would have definitely had him in this with me um, had he been here. So, And the funny thing about Norm is, of course, he had a great NBA career and Maybe he got burned out on basketball because there were times I had to drag him away from the TV. He was watching Law and Order reruns. I'm like, no, we got to do the post game show. Oh, He's man. like, well, what happened at the end? <laughs> <laughs> well, back in back in those days, back in those times, the Bulls weren't winning. You you pretty right. much knew the outcome, so you can you can actually break away and go watch a TV show, right. come back and be like, oh, they lost, you know. But but and and he took losses hard. You know, you know. But then he wasn't even watching. You get really angry at the start of the post game show. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe they did that. I'm like, Norm, you weren't even watching. But we couldn't tell anybody that that he no, wasn't no. watching it. But we're taking you behind the scenes here. Exactly, we're behind the curtain, like Wizard of Oz. We're telling you things that the fans may not know. But uh, yeah, he would get. He would really get. He's passionate about the Bulls, though. He would fight you if you said something about the Bulls. Yeah, he's one of a kind. Before we started taping today, I was telling Aldo that uh, I grew up in Milwaukee, and Norm and Jerry Sloan had that fiercest backcourt ever. I was a Bucks fan, and they would beat up on Lou Alcindor like you wouldn't believe. They sent Dennis Autry, the third string center, in there to elbow, try to get him off his game. And Norm and Jerry Sloan were down there, you know, digging the ball out. And it was just, you were looking at a Pier 6 brawl. You were waiting for something to break out anytime the Bulls and the Bucks played. So that was a great rivalry, and Norm was in the middle of it. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting on the set with the guy. I'm like, man, I hated you when you played for the Bulls. You know? <laughs> well, I, I think. I never you, told him that, by the well, way. Well, I know, because he, he probably would have punched you. Yeah. But, but I, I will say, I mean, probably, arguably, the second best, you know, duo in Bulls yeah. history, uh, Jerry Sloan. Man, I tell you what, you hear all the stories about Jerry Sloan and 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 what he meant to the Bulls organization coming in, and just a fierce competitor, a uh, guy that would, you know, basically just pick you up full court, bang you, beat you up. He didn't care who you were, uh, and took that same approach as a coach with the Utah Jazz, and really, really turned that organization into an elite. You know, organization, a mm-hmm. team that can constantly challenge right. for a title, and um, and some of the teams that he had with John Stockton and Carl Malone 
were legendary. They just had an unfortunate situation of running into Michael Jordan during right. that time. Had they not played the Bulls and Michael Jordan would have still been chasing curveballs or something, who knows, maybe Utah wins some championships, at least one. And we lost Jerry Sloan not too long ago. And, and speaking of dear departed friends, I know your college coach, Billy Tubbs, passed away on Sunday. We found out afterwards that he had been battling leukemia for a number of years and kind of kept that away from the public uh, eye. Billy Tubbs, I'm sure, had a big influence on your life, Stacey. Maybe you can tell the folks uh, your relationship with him and, and what he meant to your world. Well, I mean, he meant everything to me. I mean, there, there was, you know, even to this day, I talked to him the day before he passed away. And, you know, having a conversation with him and, and you know, I've been really in touch with the family for, you know, quite some time, you know, and um, to talk to him on Wednesday, I did not know that was going to be my last conversation with him. And our conversation was, was that he told me, because I just got inducted into the Oklahoma Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, Oklahoma. So uh, he was going to present me there. And, um, you know, he told me, he said, I'm going to be there. I promise you I'm going to be there. And you could just hear in his voice, you know, he was very weak, yeah. you know, and, you know, we we all knew it was going to be any day. But just for him to say that to me, to to put him, you know, put me in front of everything uh, really meant a lot to me. And, you know, growing up in Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma is a football state. You know, no one ever looked at Oklahoma being a basketball type of situation. And when he arrived there, you know, he took his lumps early, and then he was able to to win. He had guys like David Little, Chucky Barnett, uh, Charles Big Time Jones was another funny story later. We'll get to it, uh, Mr. Big Time Jones. But <laughs> he was; those were some of the guys there early. You know, Raymond Whitley. Those were some of the guys early that helped him kind of turn the pro, uh, program around. Bo Overton, and then he he got Raymond Tisdale. Which was the, you know, arguably one of the best players in uh, in high school basketball, was McDonald's All American, top five player, and he was able to get him, get his brother. They'd won state championships in high school at Booker T. Washington in Tulsa. Um, And then he came to Oklahoma, and that turned the whole program around. And then Oklahoma became a must-watch team for the kids like myself growing up, uh, you know, who's seen them not very good. And to see Nolan Richardson in Tulsa at that time when Billy was there, that was the main school in Oklahoma. When you talked Oklahoma basketball, you were talking Tulsa University, the Golden Hurricanes with Nolan Richardson. They had, you know, they had a, a Paul Pressey, they had Brian Winter, two NBA guys on that team. They pressed, they went up and down the floor. Fun, they were fun to watch. So those were the teams. That was the team I was looking at. If I was going to go to anywhere in Oklahoma, I was going to be Tulsa and play for Nolan Richardson. And then he left and went to Arkansas. And then Tubbs started, you know, started really rolling. And Wayman was the was the, the was the guy who really got the program on the map and got. Starting, I mean, scoring 60, 67 points in the game, you know, 40, 50, like it wasn't nothing. And then they were the way they played, I was like, wow, I want to be on that team. Now, Wayman was involved in recruiting you, wasn't he? Yes, I used to go. It's a funny story. It's probably illegal recruiting now. I, mean, I, I should be. <laughs> There's I a lot of that going on back, be in, quiet the, about back this. in those days. Wait a minute, is there a statute of limitations? <laughs> yeah, I think you're okay. You're over like 30 years. The NCAA right? can't so, penalize yeah, you yeah. now. Okay, so NCAA, I'm sorry. If you hear this, I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> we did the disclaimer at the beginning. Yeah, it's we're over. Good. It's over. We're, we're Just let it go. Waters. Yeah, we're, we're, we're finished <laughs> with that. Okay. But. So, you know, my hometown is only probably about maybe an hour away from campus. So I used to go up to OU all the time on the weekends because I played high school football. And I had friends that were on the football team, so I would go visit them. And I knew Wayman from my AAU coach. 
So when I would come to OU, and that's, I mean, Wayman was big time. I mean, Wayman, that's like if you saw a movie star, you know, like the biggest movie star, like Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. and you're just a fan. You know, you're scared to go up to him because he's so big and you don't you don't want to, you know, mess with him. You don't want to interfere with what he's doing. Or he might give you the cold shoulder. You know what I'm saying? Wayman was never like that. You know, Wayman was, uh, Wayman was uh, like a really down-to-earth, genuine person. One of the nicest people I've ever met. And he took me under his wing. You know, I was still in high school. Took me under his wing, brought me to his 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 uh, apartment. Now his apartment, he didn't stay in the dorms like everybody else. No, why would he? No, no. He's Wayman, a big time star. Wayman stayed in a place that would be equivalent to a penthouse. Now, <laughs> okay, it, it, the residence inn. You ever stayed in the residence inn? Yeah. You know how nice those residence inn you know were. Okay, upstairs, downstairs, big refrigerator, all that. That's what Wayman Tisdale stayed in before they were residence inn. The people who who had residence in converted it to a residence in. It used to be called the Trails in Norman, Oklahoma. It was on a golf course, and people who would come in to play golf and on one of the nice courses in Norman would stay there. Okay, and business companies and all that. So, but Wayman stayed there. The Tisdale Suites. Yeah, he was the only athlete that stayed there. So when I when I'd go to Wayman's house, there would be things I'd see that I'd never seen before. Now you understand, I'm coming from middle class military family you know so i go to wayman's house and i see things that i'd never experienced before in my life i never knew what a projection tv screen was you know he had like a 75 inch projection screen tv (laughs) and it had all the bells and whistles and i'm used to having a tv with you know we had antennas with coat hangers you know we had to we had to change the channel in my house this is like 1984 right yeah yeah we had to change the channel with pliers you know (laughs) somebody lost the little the little you know the little turner thing so we had to use pliers so to go into wayman's house and see all this stuff and it's like whoa like man this guy is big time like you know so I, i was like man i want this this is what i want and so wayman would always say he's like well you know if you come to oklahoma this could be you and i'm like Wow, really? He said, "Yeah, you know." And and I I really believed him. You know, I really I, I never saw any of that stuff. I'm just gonna be honest. Well, you referenced uh, you referenced a guy named Charles Big Time Jones. Oh. What's uh, oh. what's the big story there? Okay, this is a this is a crowning. This is a great story. <laughs> so, Big Time Jones was 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 the big time center before Wayman got there. He was the everybody just because he had the coolest nickname. He had one of those uh, those big afros like uh, the White Shadow. He reminded me of the guy in the White Love Shadow. Love the White Shadow. The the big guy in the White Shadow, the center. Um, boom Boom Washington. No 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 not Boom Boom. That was uh, oh, that, Welcome Back Carter. That was yeah. that was Welcome Back Carter. Yeah. But the big guy in uh, Welcome. I mean uh, in. Um, in the the white shadow, I forgot his name. Coolidge. Coolidge. Yeah. yeah. Coolidge. He had a Coolidge. He looked like Coolidge. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was big time. Everybody, you know, everybody wanted to go to him. So after the games, OU wasn't really good at that time. But after games, they had autograph signing sessions. So players would stay down and they would sign all the kids' autograph. I was an eighth grader at the time, and my junior high school team would always go up at least once a year to go watch OU play. So this happened to be towards the end of their season. And they were playing Tulsa, which was Nolan Richardson's team. So Paul Pressey and Winter, I mean, they beat the snot out of Oklahoma. And so after the game, I'm a kid. I'm just thinking, yeah. hey, autograph. Yeah. I'm gonna go. He's my he's my hero, Big Time Jones, just because of his nickname. So I, I didn't care about anybody else. I didn't want anyone else's autograph. And he had a terrible game. He, matter of fact, he stunk. So 
So I, not knowing that he'd be upset about his performance, I just, as a kid, I'm going to go down and get autographed. So I run down there. Everybody said, no, let's go get David Little because David Little was the scoring guy. Chucky Barnett was the guy who scored all the points. So all my friends went over to that guy. I went after Big Tom Jones, who probably had four points and like six rebounds and fouled out. So he's walking off the court. It's like one of those mean Joe Green type of situations <laughs> where you're chasing him for the coke, you know. So he's walking away, going to the tunnel. I'm like, big time, I'm running. Big time, big time. Stop, stop, stop. So he turns around, he looks at me, and I'm like, oh. I'm like frozen, you know, but I, I'm still coming. I'm like, big time, I need your autograph. I need your body. Please, can I have your autograph? And he turned around to me, and he says, he says, get the F out of my face. <laughs> and I was like. Now, I had to be eighth grade, so I probably was about 13, 14 years old. And I, I looked at him, and I, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm in shock. <laughs> I, I'm in shock. My heart's broken. He's like, get the hell away from me. Get out of my face. We just lost. And I'm like, so? <laughs> Can I get out of here? Please. You're my favorite player. And he's like, if you don't get out of here. And, I, and he, and he kind of flinched at me. You know how like, you flinch at somebody like you're yeah. going to punch him? And he flinched at me, but I didn't move. I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, okay, if he hits me, I'm going to probably be a spot on the floor, you know, but he didn't scare me at all. Like, I was sitting there like, you're a chump. Like, that's why you, that's why you fouled out and you suck. I didn't want your autograph anyway. So it wasn't like the TV commercial where Mean Joe Green gives the kid his jersey. No, no. it wasn't. It wasn't a wholesome thing like that. So here's here's the ironic thing about it. This is how things like my mom. When I, I went home that after that trip, I was I was heartbroken. I go to my mom and she asked, "Baby, how was how was the trip?" You know how moms do. Sure. How was the trip? Did you have fun? Did OU win? And I, I don't want to talk about it, mom. It's like, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I said, no, I don't want to talk about it. She said, well, what happened? Did they lose? Are you mad because they lost? I go, they lost. They suck. I never want to go. I don't want to go to no more Oklahoma games. And she goes, well, what happened? And so I said, well, I went to go get an autograph from Big Time. And she said, oh, Big Time Jones, you, that's your favorite player. <laughs> she go, I go, yeah, he's not my favorite player anymore, Mom. He sucks. I hate him. So she's like, well, let's, well what happens? So I, I went down to get his autograph, and he cursed at me, and he called me names, and he tried to hit me. And she's like, well, you know, Mom's like, he tried to hit you. Well, was anyone there? You know, so my mom was like, she's ready to jump in the car and go drive up to Norman and go fight Big Time Jones. And I go, he didn't hit me, mom, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to ever. I don't like him. I'm never gonna. He's not my favorite player anymore. So she goes, baby, let me tell you something. This is how moms are. She said, baby, let me tell you something. She said, let this be a lesson to you. Said, no matter you know how big or famous you get, don't ever forget where you came from, and never turn down an autograph from a child. So you know this now. Put that, put that in your memory bank. So if you ever become good, let that, let this be a remember to you. So you'll know not to ever do that. So here's the ironic thing, Mark. So OU always brings back former great players. You know, at halftime of a game. So this particular game, we're playing Missouri at home my junior year. Now this is on, this is on my super team, the '87, '88 Sooners. So we're at home playing Missouri. We bring back Big Time Jones and some of those players off that 82, 81, 82 team. And they're going to be honored at halftime. And each player of, of the current Sooner team, my team, had to give the former player something uh, that the university gave them. Thank you for coming back, whatever. So they start giving out names. Okay, Harvey, you're going to give it to such and such. So they gave Big Time Jones to, like, Mookie. I go, oh, no, hail to the no. <laughs> hail to the no. I said, Mookie, here, you take Raymond Whitley, your guard, your guard. Give me the big, give me big time Jones. And he's like, all right, here, take it. You know, so I take big time Jones. So they called out all these players individually. Do, 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 do. 
So Big Time Jones comes out and he goes, and now presenting Big Time Jones his award, Stacy King. So I come out, doo, doo, doo. I'm, I'm licking at the chops. Boy, I'm like a pit bull on a bone. <laughs> I can't wait to get to this guy. So here I'm now. Now you gotta remember, I went from probably about six foot tall. Now I'm six ten. So I'm not that little kid that you flinched and scared back in eighty one, eighty two. So I go out there to him. I go, how you doing, Mr. Jones? Congratulations, welcome back. Here's your award. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for being a Sooner. And so he's like, oh, thank you very much. He's all ecstatic. You know, he don't know who I am. No, doesn't know who I am at all. Thank you very much. I appreciate, man. You're a heck of a player, man. Ooh, you're having a hell of a year, boy. You, man, you, you got a chance to be all American. Blah blah blah. I said, thank you very much, Mr. Jones. And so he has his wife and his two kids there. And so he says to me, um, so I asked him. I said, you don't remember who I am, do you? So he, he's like, no, we never met. I just see you on TV. I see you. You're doing well. Coach Tubbs speaks highly of you. I go, no, 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 no. You, you don't know who I am, D. We've met before. <laughs> and he's like. No, this is we, your life big time. Yeah, he, yeah he, he literally did not recognize me. You know, how could he? How could he? I mean, I was a little snot-nosed kid in junior high school, so he wouldn't remember. But I didn't forget. So I called him out. I said, I, said, I told him the date, the time. How many points? He fouled out. I told him everything about that game. <laughs> and you can see, it was like when you take one of those little hourglasses with the sand, yeah. and you turn it upside down, and the sand drains out. <laughs> That's what he looked like. And his wife goes, his wife goes, Charles, is, is, that was his name, Charles. She goes, Charles, did you really say that? Did you really do that to him? Oh, honey, I would never do it. He goes, she goes, I believe it. I think you did do it. I go, yes, Ms. Jones, he did it. And I just want to let him know, thank you for doing that to me because you have shown me to never act that way towards any child. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, and to this very day, if you go to a Bulls home game, Stacey King, after the game, signing autographs, taking pictures with the fans afterward. Give me the hot sauce returns after this quick message. Recently on Stuff Your Mom Threw Out. You know, LeBron in the last two years has really taken a step up. I mean, there's that whole section of basketball fans who want to debate whether he's better than Jordan or not. You know, so he's on that level as far as collectibles go. It's usually with a younger audience. You know, Jordan skews older, LeBron skews younger. But Anthony Davis is the guy who snuck up behind it. His rookie cards have taken a precipitous jump. Really? Up, yeah. So that's going to help Precipitous. Can you spell that? You know, I probably could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure you can't. P R. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Stuff your mom threw out with David Schuster and Scott Beatty only on the Bears Barroom Radio Network. We now return to Stacy King's Gimme the Hot Sauce. You, you always uh, are grateful for those people. I'm a man of the people. Yeah, I'm a man of the people, and I, I love Bulls fans. We got some of the best fans in the world. Yeah, uh, we travel deep. You know, we talk about every time we go to a different arena. How many people are supporting the Bulls? How many people are wearing Bulls jerseys? Um, this is a great sports town, man. I mean, there, there's nothing like it. I mean, these fans will—they ride and die with you to the very end. They get mad when you're not winning. They get mad when there's not changes that they think should be made. But it doesn't stop them from supporting their team. Unlike some other cities you go to, New York, who they, I mean, they boo, they draft someone, they boo them regardless. You know, they boo whoever. They boo the star player who's right. playing well. So, but our fans are loyal. Uh, they just want to win. This is a, this is a, a city that is blue collar. 
that is, you know, no nonsense, no excuses. Get up, go earn your money, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And uh, I've always, I've always uh, been open to that. I've always like gravitated to that because I grew up that way. Let's get back to your days at Oklahoma. In, in an article I read, uh, Billy Tubbs said that you developed more from your freshman to your senior year than probably any player he had the, the coaching either at Lamar or at Oklahoma. That 1987-88 team scored over 4,000 points, which is still an still NCAA a, still record, record to this day. So doing the math, that's over 100 points a game yes, in a 40-minute game. Well, let me, let, me, let me go ahead and throw this out. It's, it's like 103 points a yeah, game. Yeah, crazy. So we had that particular year, we had like over 25 or 26 uh, games where we had beaten, we scored, you know, 25 beating teams by 25 or more. Tell, tell the folks who the starting lineup was at we starting point guard was Ricky Amazing Grace. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was from Dallas. Um, we had uh, Mookie Blaylock. Uh, everybody knows Mookie. He was our two guard. Small forward was Dave Soulman Seeger, and uh, he was he was our outside shooter, designated three point shooter. Uh, kept the defenses from packing in on me and, and Harvey Grant. Harvey Grant, which is Horace Grant's twin brother, uh, started at power forward, and then mm-hmm. I started at center. And that team, you know, that starting five was amazing in itself. But our bench, we had four JUCO All-American, first-team JUCO All-Americans on the bench who couldn't even get off, get any run. You know, Tubbs only played six guys, and, you know, most of those guys who would probably started for most programs didn't even get off the bench. That's how, that's how talented that team was. I know in talking to Kendall Gill, he always would tell a story about how they, they killed the flying line. I killed Michigan twice during the regular season, lost to them in the national semifinals. You guys had a similar experience where you played a Big 8 team in the national championship game. I'm sure that's a team that you felt going in that you'd be able to handle. You know what? Honestly, I mean, I look back on that, you know, Mark, because I, I talk about that quite a bit with people. Um, and not taking anything away from Kansas. Kansas played, you know, about as perfect game as you could possibly yeah. play against a Danny team like and the us. Miracles. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, early in the year we'd beat those. We beat Kansas handily. You know, we knew Danny Manning was going to get his. You know, there's no way you could stop him. But you shut down everybody else, and then mm-hmm. we outscore everybody else. Um, Larry Brown had a very good, you know, uh, game plan against us. It's like trick us into playing full fast early, and then slow the pace down. So if you go back and you remember that game. Uh, it was a 50-50 to 50 halftime score, which is still, to this day, the highest-scoring first half in NCAA history. So we were like, we go into the locker room, we're like, yeah, this is kind of, oh, yeah, we got them oh, yeah. now because they can't keep this pace up. We can keep this pace up, but they can't. And give Larry Brown some credit, man, because he came out in the second half and they slowed the tempo tempo down to, like, slow ski level. I mean, just like, woo, let's just slow it completely down, play more half-court, walk the ball up the court. They'll get frustrated, which we did, because when we would try to trap them and speed it up, they would just spread the ball out. And then Danny, being such a good ball handler, that's where the difference of the game was. Because when you got a big guy that can handle the ball like a guard, the trap, you can't trap him. You know, most teams don't have big guys that could handle the ball like that, which now that plays into our hands because that takes a ball handler out, especially a big guy who can see over traps and get the ball to the right people. Danny was like Magic Johnson at the college level at six foot eleven. So they put the ball in his hands, which in turn forced our big guys, me and Harvey, out more, took us away from rim protection, which now gives these backdoor cuts, guards mm-hmm. going backdoor getting layups because you don't have your shot blockers back there. Of course, back then it wasn't unusual for college stars to play four seasons. You did it. Kendall Gill did it. 
And the college experience is more than just basketball. I understand that uh, – did you get some inside jobs at Oklahoma? What, what's that all about? Oh, man. Let me tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done everything from, like, you know, cleaning toilets to construction. But you're a big scholarship athlete. No, what's they, going they on No, they didn't work, man. You got to earn your keep, man. You got – let me tell you, here, here, here's my first summer job. I did construction. And, and so I, I went to my coach. I said, hey, coach. Coach Mims was assistant coach. He was handling all the, the jobs. I said, Coach, can I get an inside job? Because, you know, Oklahoma's hot. <laughs> it's hot as hell it in hot, the summertime. Yeah. It's like 105 degrees. It's burning up there. So I go to Coach. I said, Coach Mims, I said, can I get an inside job with air conditioning? <laughs> so he tells me, he says, hey, he said, are you all American? I said, no. He said, are you all conference? I said, no. He said, you on the Olympic team? I said, no. He said, well, you got to do construction and work outside. When you're all those, then you can you can have an inside job. And I had my girlfriend at the time, who's my, my, my kid's mother. He made me feel like Ant-Man when he said that. Here I'm walking up there thinking I'm this guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm a stud. I'm a, I'm yeah. a, he's going to give me a good job. Man, he, I walked out of there with my tail between my legs, embarrassed, you know, and I was like, I dug ditches all summer long in, in red clay dirt. I helped build, this is my claim to fame as my my uh, my construction days. I helped I as an engineer. I was an engineer. I wasn't a di- I wasn't a ditch digger. I was I was technically an engineer and I helped I helped build uh Remington Park racetrack, it's which is a huge racetrack in Oklahoma City. I was I was an engineer before I knew I was an engineer. Okay, I was an engineer before I didn't go to school to be an engineer, but I was an engineer for two summers helping build that racetrack. So here's the funny story now. So after I had to work and slave as an engineer in the summer in Oklahoma heat, after my junior year, after the Final Four season, I'm all American, yeah, yeah. all I'm everything. Okay, so Coach Mims comes to me. I don't have to go to Coach Mims. He comes running to me. He says, uh. Hey, hey, little daddy. Uh, what do you want to do? He's like, where, where you want to work? Where you want to? What do you want to do? You want? You want that inside job? You want that air conditioning? I said, Coach, you know what? I don't think I want to work this summer. I think I want that Wayman Tisdale uh, plan. The Tisdale Suite. Yeah, well, the t- I want the Tisdale plan because Wayman didn't work. Yeah. So I said, I want Wayman's plan. <laughs> so he's like. Oh, I know what you want. I said, okay. All right, that's what I want. I want the Women's Tisdale plan. So I didn't work my junior and senior year. Because, <laughs> you know, because I was all American. I was all conference. All the things he said I wasn't right. in my younger days, I finally was able to achieve that. So next thing you're going to tell me is that you went to all your classes. You did all your yes. homework. You yes. took all your yes. tests. I did all that. the papers. Yes, I did oh, come all on, that. Stacey. Nobody's hey, buying that. Listen, 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 listen. Hold up, Tyson. Pull up the punches, okay? <laughs> all right. I'm a highly educated man here, okay? I'm a journalistic man. I, I went to school for journalism and public relations, which if I was to do that right now, I would be very successful at that because I love to write. I love doing that kind of stuff. I used to have to write for the school newspaper. Most athletes don't do that. I used to have to go in my journalistic class. They would make me have to go write articles and go cover stories. They would never let me go cover stories that had to do with sports, which was easy for me. So they'd have me going to, I, I tell you one time, man, woo, they, they had me go to like a, a gay lesbian uh, rights uh, uh, forum. And yeah, I had to go You're the perfect it. guest for that. I, well, now, I was like, the first thing I was saying, I was like, oh, man, if any of my friends see me in here, like, what are they going to think? <laughs> and my, my teacher, my professor was like, oh, you got to do it. You got you to get out of your comfort zone. You got to get out of your comfort level. We can't give you softballs. You got to go out there and earn it. So I had to go to things like that, you know, and cover 
covered things like that yeah. and write stories about him, get deadlines in. So I know how to do all that kind of stuff, which was a lot of fun. And then being able to communicate and go into classes where, you know, I had to do public speaking in front of like, you know, 800 students because in Oklahoma, classes are huge. You're not in classes of like 25 or 30 people. Some of your communication class, you're in an auditorium with three, 400 people. So and have to stand up in front of your class and give a presentation, you know, so I'm, I'm used to doing all those kind of stuff. I was used to getting in front of, you know, cameras and being able to articulate you know, things that I wanted to talk about. And I was very comfortable being in front of camera because I was going to school for that. But then also I'm playing on a high profile team where we're always on, on TV. We're always in front of camera, yeah. ESPN, CBS, NBC, you know, so I was very comfortable. So it's kind of a, the transition to where I'm at today, you know, even with the Bulls. I mean, we were highly covered. You got the greatest player on the planet on your team. There's a camera in your face 24-7. People want to know what's going on with the Bulls. You're winning championships. What is it like to this? What is it like being with Michael? So all that was just like natural to me. And then from my transition from all of that as a player and, you know, I got into coaching a little bit, really loved that. To where I'm at today, as far as being in social media, being you know with doing the, what I do with the Bulls, uh, it's just been a natural progression for me. Did you think about going pro after your junior year? Obviously, went to the national championship game, put up gaudy numbers, honored in all American squads. Uh, how come you decided Hold to go on, back? First to of all, when you're talking about gaudy numbers, I don't appreciate that. That was hard work, Mark Schnauzke. <laughs> no, ga- say, gaudy is a compliment. Well, I don't look at that as being a compliment, buddy. This is you. <laughs> look it up, Stacy. No, I, I know what look it, it means. Up in a dictionary. But from you as my friend, you should be saying, Stacy, you put up some impressive numbers. That sounds bad. That's what it means. This gaudy man. Gaudy. Gaudy numbers make it seem like I was playing against the sisters of the poor. This guy did. Rebound. Come on, man. Come on, man. Give me some credit, Mark Sinowski. I'm going to get you a thesaurus for the I, next I, edition I just of the want, show. I just, you, it sounds so much better, man, when you said, you put up some impressive numbers. Yeah, oh, gaudy numbers. Like I was playing against some midgets. Come on, man. Come on, brother. Help a brother out. Back to the original question. Okay. Okay. Why didn't you go pro after your junior year? I was having too much fun in college. If I if I could have been there on a seven year plan, I probably would have stayed seven Is that years. Right? Yeah, I, I was having too much fun. And then on top of it, you know, we lost the national championship yeah. game. We had a very good team the following year that had a chance to get back in that same situation my senior year. And uh we finished thirty I wanna say thirty and six my senior year. So I only lost ten games my two years, my last two years at Oklahoma. So it tells you how impressive those teams were. And um, got all the way to the Sweet 16, lost to Virginia. Mookie Blaylock gets a, gets a scratch corner in the first two minutes of the game. Killed us. And yeah. had he not gotten hurt, we would have played Michigan again that year for a trip to the Final Four in the Southeast region in Kentucky. Matter of fact, we had played Michigan in the Maui Classic Championship earlier in November. And I remember Glenn Rice, who's one of my good friends, and they were talking so much trash when they were beating us in the in the finals of the Maui Classic. So after the game, you know, I told them, I said, we'll see you again in the tournament. And trust me, we'll get you back. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when the tournament was announced, I saw the brackets, and we saw Michigan was in our bracket. So we were figuring out, okay, how can we get to them? And um, we had to go through the Southeast region, and then we ended up playing Virginia, who we beat the year before by 50 points in Hawaii. So – we thought we were going to walk through them again, you know. So, um, but they had a good game plan. Mookie gets hurt, and they beat us. And then, you know, they get they get crushed by Michigan. Michigan just destroyed them. There's yeah. a kid on uh, Virginia team, Richard Morgan, who was a really good shooter, killed us. 
And Brian Stith, who played for the Denver Nuggets, uh, he was a freshman on that team. He hurt us too, but losing Mookie to that scratch court in the first couple of minutes of the game killed us. And, of course, Michigan went on to beat Kendall Gill's Flying Illini, and they beat Seton uh, Hall to win the national I was there. championship. Yeah. I was there. I was at those. I was at that Final Four, and, uh, you know, it just – that really felt like a final four to me because they were out west. They were in it was in Seattle. They were out there out in Seattle and it really felt like a final four to Kingdom. Whereas my final four the year before didn't feel like a final four because we play our conference championship where the national championship was. So it it didn't feel like that. I grew up seeing final fours in domes, you know, Louisiana Superdome, King Dome, you know, all mm-hmm. these big venues. And I always dreamed as a little kid to play in those big venues, you know. And um, to to be playing a, a national championship in in our conference championship place, Kansas City, I understand it was the fiftieth you know year and all. There were so many things involved in that, but it didn't feel like a final four to us. And you know, and especially the way we got there and how we had to get there to win, we had a t- we had the toughest bracket to get to to the final four that yeah. year. And you know, we we faced you know Purvis Ellison's Louisville team. Um, you know, we faced an Auburn team that was very good. I mean, there was some really good Villanova uh, with Roley Massimino's mm-hmm. team was very well. And then we had to play Arizona to get to the final game. So we played the toughest teams to get there. And then Danny, you know, Kansas and the Miracles, they had an easier road. They because walked through. They walked through because they ended up get teams they were supposed to play got beat. Yeah. So they were able to sneak in, and they were probably a higher seed than what they were actually ranked. So it looked like upsets to the Novus fan, but technically it wasn't an upset. They were a lot better than what people thought, but it wasn't their fault. You only you play whoever's in your bracket, but teams got North Carolina State got beat, who was a higher seed. Uh, I want to say Will Purdue and Vanderbilt got upset by somebody by somebody in that tournament, and mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was a high-ranking team, too. They got beat in that region. The only top team they played was Kansas State, who Kansas State beat them just like we did two times during right. the regular season, and they beat Kansas State and the, the great Mitch Richmond uh, for the trip to the Final Four. Hey, before we get out of here, we told you at the top of the show that Stacy has interests in a lot of things, not just basketball. He loves movies, loves entertainment. Yes. And I don't know, we, we'll give you your pick on this. You want to talk about uh, the, the story you told me about a, a dog's uh, life, oh. a dog's purpose, or oh. do you want to talk about uh, the great oh. Sean Connery who let passed away say, at the age of 90? Let me just say this, man. I love dogs. <laughs> I love dogs, man. I, I was. We're bringing here, it full circle here. Yeah, we're 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 just going in full circle. Uh, you you get an emotional Stacy right now. Yeah, I know, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the hot sauce. No popcorn. You got to bring yeah. the tissues, Listen, right? Just bring the tissues right now. I don't know if you've seen a dog's life, uh, uh, a dog's purpose with uh, with my man Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. I didn't even know there was a two. I watched the it, the first one's a dog's life. I think the first yeah. one, and and you didn't followed. cry hard enough at that one. No, so you no, had to go no, up no. Round no. Two. But see, the the dog, the dog dies all the time and <laughs> comes back as a different dog. That's hard enough. As spoilers, it is. spoilers. I'm, listen, if you ain't seen it, it's not my fault. That movie's been out there for at least 10, 12 years. Forever. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, that's your own fault. So if I broke it and spoiled it for you, I'm sorry, people. It's just the way it is. Okay. Blame Shanowski because he's the one who brought this topic up, not me. Okay. So as I was saying before, I was really interrupted by Mark Janowski. <laughs> I'm going back to my emotional moment. 
So I'm watching the second one, Dog's Purpose. <laughs> and I got my little puppy, Brixton, right next to me. Of course. And I think that's why I got emotional, because my little dog, man, because, you know, when you, and I know anybody who's a pet owner can can attest to this, they're part of your family. They're like Absolutely. your children. You know, you, you're with them every step of the way. When they get sick, you feel bad for them. They're hurting. You feel bad for them. And I've had to put down many dogs, man. And this is one of the reasons why I've kind of gotten away from getting a dog. This is my first dog that I've gotten probably for been about six years since I had a dog. And the reason why I've kind of gotten away from not having dogs is because when you got to put one down, it's like the worst feeling. Heartbreaking. It's like a piece of you goes with yeah. them. And it's so emotional. And I just I can't do it. I've done that at least with 10 dogs. And I'm like, I can't do it. Because I had kids and they love dogs. So I grew up with dogs. So I felt like my kids need to grow up with dogs. And and just putting them down just, just is really emotional. So I kind of stayed away from that. But this pandemic has, has you know shined new light on situation. Because I'm at home all the time. And you don't go anywhere. And I said, you know what? It'd be pretty cool to have a puppy, you know, just to play with and, and teach and, and just watch grow up. And, you know, so I got a puppy, American Bulldog puppy. And then watching that movie and seeing at the end, because the dog's purpose at the end, he served his purpose. Sure. He not only watched over Dennis Quaid from a child all the way up, he watched over his granddaughter. And then at the end. Dennis Quaid. Spoiler alert! Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Again, if you haven't watched this, it's March. It's March no, 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 fault no. because he brought this up. I'm just going with him. I'm like it's like Stockton and Malone. He's feeding me, and I'm just going to put it in the basket. So back to my story. So, so I'm, I'm emotional because at the end he served his purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, Dennis Quaid passes away. The the daughter, the, the little granddaughter gets you know has has a child, and you know, and then the dog. It gets old and he's gonna die again. And at the end, he he dies and he's running to heaven, you know. And he's changing all the the style, the, all the dogs he used to be. Sure. And then he finds Dennis Quaid in a field, kind of like Gladiator when he was in Gladiator and he's walking through the field and you know he's touching the 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 corn and all that stuff. It was like that, and yeah. it was very emotional, man. And my wife wasn't there to see it. I'm so glad. I'm so glad she wasn't there because she, you know, she was always, oh, she's emotional. He like, she like women like that kind of stuff <laughs> when they see, and I'm like Clint Eastwood, you know, I'm tough as leather. So if I cry, she knows it, it hit me. So I didn't want her to see that side of me. You know, I mentioned Sean Connery. I actually watched the movie uh, the, the Untouchables yesterday. One of my favorite because movies. you know the election returns were starting to trickle. And I'm like, I'm not going to watch this all night because this is going to take forever. So I watched the Untouchables. It was a great to get away from uh, it. And, and you know, he played uh, Jim Malone, the Jimmy beat cop, Malone, baby. who joined the Treasury Department. Yes. The, the great scene where they put they put one of ours in the hospital. We we'll put two of them in the morgue. See, I would that's use, the Chicago way. That would be if I was a coach for the Bulls, I would use that. I would say that that <laughs> part of that speech, I would say that to my players. Yeah. You know, I think that was like that's one of the best moves I've ever seen him do. He was the best James Bond. Oh, no question. Best the original. James Bond. Yeah. You know, Daniel Craig is a close second, but and I like Daniel Craig, but Sean Connery is when you think of James Bond. You think of Sean Connery, the smooth, the accent, you know, shaken, not stirred, and and all the the beautiful women. Beautiful, that, yeah. I mean, he was the best James Bond. There's another movie, The League of Distinguished Gentlemen. That's oh awesome yeah, movie. that was great. Yeah, it bombed it. It bombed it. Yeah. That's why I say, listen, people. 
If you look at movies and you see it, that it gets a bad rating, don't go by that, okay? If someone gives you like, and they say we're giving it 85 Rotten Tomatoes, don't listen to that. Look at the movie because your style, what you look at, you may find it very entertaining compared to what someone else looked at. And it got bad ratings, but I'm telling you, it's one, it's a very good movie. It's one of my Stacey King uh, picks, uh, flick picks. Was Kathleen Turner ever one of his uh, leading ladies? No, but she could have been mine. Oh, is my wife listening? <laughs> oh, honey, honey, are you trying to break up a happy home? No, no. You're trying to break up a happy home We're over just here. trying to tie a bow on it. You uh, heard the uh, Kathleen story uh, in the hey, open. we got to bring I'm it all the way full body circle. heat, man. <laughs> hey, it's another Stacey King flick. If you haven't seen Body Heat with, uh, what's the guy's name? William um, Hurt. Hurt. Yeah. William Hurt. I didn't even worry about him. I, I, who cares? <laughs> hey, you could have put a monkey in an astronaut suit on. I would have never saw him. But Kathleen Turner yeah. in that movie, Body Heat. You're talking about sriracha. You're talking about hot sauce. The hot sauce, yeah. Woo! She was original hot sauce, ladies and gentlemen. But I can't talk anymore because I'm getting ready to get thrown out of my house because Mark Shinowski is just bringing up Just bringing the up instigator, things. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Can't Troublemaker. And, and do me a favor. Look up Gaudy in the dictionary. You know what? It here. didn't sound good, Shinowski. Right. I'm just telling you. You made it sound like I was playing against like like uh, Sisters of the Poor. Oh, let me see. We got John. John comes with the dictionary here. Let me see what we got. Extravagantly bright or showy, typically so as to be tasteless. See? 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 Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Listen to me right now. Listen to your boy, Stacey King. Look up the term God, okay? Extra- I think I need a rewrite no, from the no. Webster's oh, people. Oh, my God. The one thing that sticks out of this, okay, it started off pretty good. Yeah. Extravagantly it went bright downhill and quick. showy. Yeah. And then typically <laughs> so as to be tasteless. Yeah. I cannot believe oh my goodness. So so as I said before, it didn't sound right, Shinowski. <laughs> you should have said you put up some impressive numbers. I'm gonna come up with some better adjectives for the next and show. And then he right? had the nerve guys to say, look it up. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and our guys in the showroom, they looked it up. And it didn't sound like what you said. It sounded worse. Tasteless. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I got a bone to pick with the Merriam-Webster people. I don't know. They got to come up with a rewrite on the dictionary. I think that means it's about time to pull down the curtain on this debut oh. edition of so Gimme the Hot Sauce. We had a so great time fun. here. These are the kind of stories you can expect as we go on week by week. We will cover some of the nuts and bolts about basketball. The NBA draft is upcoming. The Bulls have made some changes. We're going to talk all about that in future episodes. Stacy's going to get a, a rewrite opportunity on The Last Dance. <laughs> Tell us some inside stories about practicing with Michael and the guys. So make sure to listen and subscribe to Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. You can find it where you get all your best podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. I want to thank our producer, John Walsh. The guy who runs the Barroom Network, our good buddy Aldo. I'm Mark Shinowski, your humble host here. I got to get me a new dictionary. Yes, you and do. We hope you'll make Gimme the Hot yes, Sauce a regular part of your podcast consumption. Until next week, stay safe and healthy. We'll talk to you soon.